You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded Sunday, August 28, 2022. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And all God's people said... Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of His children. I think it's good to come together to praise the Lord, lift up our voice, lift up our souls unto Him for all that He has done for us. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Revelation chapter 13. You know, any message from the Word of God is good. I know sometimes they're labeled in different ways. There's messages of encouragement. There's messages of teaching. uh, There's messages of admonishment. And then sometimes there's messages of warning. And this is going to be one of those messages this morning and all that I want to bring. And we're we're all familiar with warning, in particular warning signs and all. I, um, I grew up on the shores of Lake Erie. And I can remember as a kid and all when that lake would get so frozen that you could go out to the lake and you could see cars several hundred feet and everything out on the lake with holes drilled in the ice and they're ice fishing. But they got their cars. They got their trucks out there because the ice was so thick. But, you know, I can also remember times when you go out to that lake and there'd be signs that put up and says, danger, thin ice. You know, you don't want to go out on the ice when you see that sign. I can remember as a third and fourth grader down the street, um, from where I lived, there was um, one of those high-voltage power deals. You know, there was a plant there of some kind. I don't know which it was, but it was one of those high-voltage things. And we used to climb on that thing all the time. We'd get up, we'd climb it, we'd go in and everything, until we got to the one side that said, danger, high-voltage. You know, and so we decided we probably not, don't need to be climbing that anymore. You know, But... Um, messages come to pastors in different ways. I can't speak for others. I can only speak for me. There are times he uses words of a song. There are times maybe a word in a scripture passage or a message that I've heard on the radio or something. There's something in there that just kind of pricks the spirit and, other, and then uses other means. And basically the message this morning comes from warning signs. Where I used to live there in Inwood, and all, if you've traveled there from 81 to Route 11, you see a lot of warning signs. They're widening that stretch of road. They're putting in another roundabout and such. And so you go through that, uh, that portion of road and you see uh, road work ahead, or you see steel plates ahead, or you see um, um, uneven road ahead. You see different warning signs you know, that, 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 that you know, tell us what, what, what's coming up. Okay, so we can be careful, or should be careful anyway, in our driving. Well, I want to just kind of bring out a warning sign this morning, if I may. But here's what I want to do. I want us to remember the one and all who is not only our adversary, but also the one who gives us victory over that adversary. That's what we've got to be reminded of. They they mentioned this morning, I I love it when a plan comes together. Because I have no idea the songs that Tim and Suzette sing when they come. And he has no idea the message I'm going to preach, but so often there's a dovetail there. And he was talking about change, 
you know, he used that scripture in Ecclesiastes and everything. There is that season of change. And I know the older we get, and I include me in that, the older we get and everything, we don't like change. We like things to be the way we like it to be, okay? We don't like change that much. But the fact of the matter is, life is change, okay? It changes. Your Monday is not going to be like last Monday, your Tuesday is not going to be like last Tuesday. You know what? Tonight's not going to be like last Sunday night. Life changes. You know, we have to be, we have to be accepting of this. And to me, that's what, you know, keeps life kind of vibrant. You know, I, I guess maybe I'm a weirdo and everything, but I don't want everything exactly the same all the time, you know, because I tend to fall asleep when it gets like that. You know, I like things to change just a little bit and everything so that, you know, it gives that a little bit of vibrancy, you know, to what's going on in life and an opportunity to grow, you know, during those times of change. But I want to look, um, and I'm going to kind of work backwards in Scripture this morning, uh, three Scriptures we're going to look at, and I hope that you'll follow along with me and then we'll attempt to tie it up at the very end. But in Revelation chapter 13, we're going to begin in verse 1 and we're going to go through down to verse 7. So if you'll follow along with me, please. The Apostle John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power, and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So to set the tone of what the, where this reading was at, we are pro approximately at the middle of what's called the tribulation period. Now some of you may be wondering, what in the world is this tribulation period? Well, it is the seven-year time frame between the rapture of the church and the revelation of Jesus Christ when he physically comes back to set up his kingdom in this world. And primarily verse, uh, chapters 4, 5 through chapter 18 deal with this time called the tribulation. And at the halfway point, at the halfway point in this tribulation, this Antichrist that is going to come at the beginning as a man of peace, claiming to have, you know, the answers for what's going on in the world, and all, he, he is going to change spots, so to speak, and, everything, and he is going to become a ruthless, cruel dictator of the world in every which way, in particular against God's people Israel. 
Now you say, this sounds like a terrible time and everything. I sure hope I don't have to go through that. Well, you know what? If you're a born again child of God, you won't have to go through that. Everything because the Bible teaches the next event that's going to take place in God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, which is you and I, New Testament believers today, that will be raptured up, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. John chapter 14. Oftentimes we look at that scripture and we don't think about it talking about the rapture, but listen to the words where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now listen, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, right? I go to prepare a place for you. That was his ascension back to heaven to the right hand of the Father. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, now listen, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. John was telling us of the rapture right there that Paul even expounded upon over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so this is uh, what we as God's children, as believers, have to look forward to, this rapture. But until that happens, I want us to understand we are here for a purpose, okay? The purpose has never been lifted until he lifts us out, amen? And also we need to keep that in mind. So this is where we're at, and it's telling us that at this point, this point in all, there is an enemy, there is an adversary, and all by the name of Satan referred to the dragon who will have his man. His man that will rule literally over all the earth at that time, a man called the Antichrist, okay, or the beast, as we read them here through. So it tells us of this dragon. So who, who, who is Satan? You know, I've heard some people say that God is responsible for sin. I think, well, where do you get off on that? You know, explain that to me. Well, it said that God, he created the devil, and the devil is responsible for sin, so God is responsible for sin. Well, listen, God never created the devil, all right? Now, hold on with me. I didn't hear any amens on that, so I must have thrown you a curve. So listen to me. God never created the devil. He did, however, create a high being, an archangel by the name of Lucifer, the son of the morning who by his own volition and own, own will chose to usurp his authority above that of God. And in so doing so, he, along with a third of the angels, was cast down to this earth, which is why, and Brother Greg mentioned it last, last week, he is referred to as the prince and power of the air, the God of this world. We need to understand something, folks, that Satan is not in hell today. Do you understand that? Satan is not in hell. Matter of fact, Satan is on this earth. We're going to look at a scripture to tell us that. He is on this earth. He is on this earth, all right? So I want you to understand where we're coming from. So God created Lucifer, son of the morning, but due to his willfulness, his pride, and his fall, he became, became Satan, the adversary. That's what the name Satan means, the adversary, okay? So you think adversary? Well, who's adversary? I'm glad you mentioned that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. You know where I'm going, don't you? Paul here is speaking, and he says that we, okay? So Paul is speaking to a believer, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, Peter is, is speaking to a believer. And he's including himself in that address. And he says, we 
have an adversary, the devil, who walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So who is this devil an adversary to? Paul say, or Peter here says to you and me as believers. You think, see, again, our world often imagines that Satan and everything, he, he, he is ruling, ruling the, the evil people, okay? He's the adversary of the evil people. He's got them in chains. He's got them bound, such as like that. And yes, hey, that is a true statement. But they are not his adversary. The Bible says we are his adversary. Each one of us, each believer, each one who names the name of Jesus Christ is the, ad we have an adversary, the devil, okay? He is our adversary, the redeemed, the children of God. And notice the admonishments there in 1 Peter 5, 8. He goes on to say, be sober and be vigilant. Now the word sober here means alert, okay? It means alert, be awake. Be alert of what's going on. And the word vigilant here literally means to be cautiously active in order to prevent being overtaken. Because what is this adversary going to do? He's walking about as a roaring lion doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. Okay? Seeking whom he may devour. So we need to understand, folks, that this is not just a, a little simple thing going on. We have a real living, wicked, evil adversary that wants nothing more than to ruin our life. See, he can't touch our soul. That's already in God. Amen? Okay, if you're a born-again child of God, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Praise God for that. But let me tell you something. Satan will seek to ruin you, to destroy you, to rob you of your joy, to rip you of your reputa reputation, anything he can to make you miserable, you see. Listen, we got to get a hold of this. We have to understand this. It's kind of like, as a matter of fact, the word there, vigilant, is the word apalne. And I think I pronounced that right, apalne, which means it's a wrestling match. It's a wrestling match. Bill was a wrestling coach for many years, understands the, 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 the competition there, understands the contention there, that we are wrestling. And here's the thing. We're not wrestling with physical things, the Bible tells us, Right? You know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle against? We wrestle against spiritual powers. You see, we wrestle against spiritual powers. Satan is not attacking your right arm. He is not attacking your left leg. He is not attacking your physical house. He is not attacking your automobile, although some would think he does often, you know. But anyway, does not you know, your, your automobile. He is attacking you, very you. And everything. There is that wrestling. There is that contention. Everything. And we have to be cautiously and active in order to prevent being overtaken. Overtaken by what? Overtaken by sin. Hey, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I don't have to worry about sin anymore. Man, you just put a target on your chest. Do you know that? Anybody in here have no issue with sin? Didn't think so. We understand that, don't we? Now, fine, maybe we're not getting out and, you know, mugging old women. Maybe we're not getting out and, you know, uh, abusing, sexually abusing children. We're not doing, you know, any of these horrible things that, that, that we think. Fine, we're not doing that. But we need to understand because what does the Bible, listen, get a hold of this. What does the Bible say about sin? Two things. What silver is not a faith of sin? Okay? If you don't live by faith, it's sin. All right? 
And then also, if you know to do something good and you don't do it, it's sin. You see? The things that we know according to the Word of God that we should do, if we do not do that, the Bible says it's sin. Because sin is against God. Here's God's direction. Here's God's instruction. Here's God's principles. Here's God's provisions and such. And when we go against that, that's sin. That's sin. So if we be honest this morning, we sin every day, don't we? We sin every day. But praise God for 1 John 1, 9. You know, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you see. We have that. But the things that we can be overtaken from, folks, sin, doubt. You ever doubt? You ever have doubt? About God's will, God's direction, whatever like that. You ever, you ever doubt on those things? You know, I think we all struggle with that one way or another, don't we? What about fear? I look around our world today, and my goodness. I mean, I, uh, from time to time, I just have to take what I call a media break. You know, I keep up on news and try to keep up with things that are going on, but sometimes I just get overloaded. You know, I mean, we hear, you know, you look at the gas prices and all, you look at the inflation, you look at food shortages, you look at what's going on down on the southern border, you look at what's going on in Ukraine, you look at, you know, China's firing missiles over Taiwan, and, you know, just so many different things like this, and we look at those and we think, oh my goodness, what's this world coming to? Well, it's coming exactly where it's coming to because man has thrown God under the bus. And say, if that's the way you want it, then fine, have at it. And this is what we see as a result when we no, no longer acknowledge God as God, you see. There's fear, there's bitterness. Get bitter over words that were said or things that had happened and we, we don't let go of it. We say we forgive, but we haven't let go of things. And that's what the Bible says, don't let a root of bitterness get in there. Let me tell you something, listen to me, folks. You don't forgive the only person you're hurting is you. The only person, if you got something against me and you don't forgive me, it ain't bothering me. You're the one that's got to live with that. You're the one that's getting eat up with it, you see. To forgive, to let go. And the example we have is God. You know, what did he say? You know, hey, we are to forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Do you believe that God holds anything against us when we confess our sins to him? No. Under the blood, gone, washed away, you see. Never to be brought up again, you see. That's forgiveness that is modeled before. Stress, oh my goodness. So anybody here not have any stress in your life? I didn't think so. Some of us, you know, stress is just getting up in the morning, amen? Oh my goodness. You know, we, we, we get up and, you know, instead of saying, you know, good morning, Lord, we say, good Lord, it's morning, you know, and we just have stress. Man, how am I going to get gas in the tank this week? You know, what, what are the food prices? Is the food that I want going to be there? You know, what's going to happen? You know, down the road is some IRS agent going to come and knock on my door? You know, I don't know. You see, we've all got stress. You see, and Satan will accentuate that through fear and deception and lies and deceit. You see, oftentimes, here's the mistake we make. We make one another out to be the enemy. 
But we're not the enemy. We have an adversary and his name is the devil. My enemy is not Bill Funk. My enemy is not Tim Lewis. My enemy is not Barry Helmick. My enemy is not Hannah McGann. My enemy and adversary is Satan. That's what we've got to remember. You know, but remember, he's the father of lies. He's slick. He's deceitful. That's why he's, Peter is telling us here to be sober, be vigilant. Be wary of what's taking place around you so you don't be overcome by the attack of the enemy. And then let's go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. So we've seen this adversary. We've seen where he's come from. We've seen who he is. And we receive warning that we have this adversary, that we are to be sober, we are to be alert. Because he's seeking about, around as a roaring lion. And then look at John, 1 John 4.4. 4. And here's the victory that we have. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is your church membership and baptism than he that is in the world. Y'all are laughing. Why? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What in the world is it talking about then? Greater is he. Who's the he? The Holy Spirit of God. That the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God came and, uh, and abides in you. He took up residence in you. Paul goes on to tell us this, that, you know, do, do we not know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He doesn't dwell in this building. You come up here any other day than when the church is meeting, and this is a dark, empty building. There's nothing here. But when the family of God comes together, then the Spirit of God is present, you see. And we experience that. Listen, in these last days, I cannot emphasize to you how important it is to come together in fellowship. To come together as the body of Christ to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We need that time. We need that fellowship. That's part of our Christian growth. You know, God never created us to be lone rangers, folks. Never created us to be lone rangers, you see. But the Holy Spirit lives within you. Greater is He in you, the believer, than He that is in the world. Who's in the world? The adversary. The Satan. The, uh, Satan is, you see. Greater is God than Satan. And that God and the person of the Holy Spirit abides within each and every one of us. So how do I close this out? To remind you that this adversary is a roaring lion. He is on the prowl. My daughter loves nature shows. And I like sitting down and watching them with her and everything. And whatever is on them in particular when they deal with like lions, you know, the big cats, so to speak, everything. They'll mention that when those cats start roaring, when they start roaring and moving about, they're on the prowl. They're basically letting everybody know out there, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. This is what our adversary is. Everything. This is the devil. This is Satan. He is roaring because he's telling you and me, I'm after you. 
Do you understand that this morning? Jennifer, you understand that? He is after you. Sandra, you understand that? He is after you. Each and every one of us sit, sit back and oh, I don't have to worry about Satan. Maybe you need to check your salvation. Because if you're a child of God, you better be worrying. Because he is your adversary. We have an adversary as a roaring lion. He's on the prowl. What's he on the prowl for? Well, he's seeking those he can influence. He's seeking those he can manipulate through lies, through deceit, through untruth. He's seeking those who he can mislead. Why? So he can cause division in the body of Christ. He can cause division in the body of Christ. I want every one of you to stand for just a minute. Everybody stand. I want you to look around for just a moment. Just look around. We have some pretty faces here. We've got some that need work, but we got some pretty faces here. The people you're looking at are not your enemy. They're not your enemy. But every one of us have an enemy that if we're not careful, he will deceive, he will manipulate, and he will use us to cause division in this body or anybody. And that's why we have seen in Scripture, you've got to be awake. You've got to be alert. Because he would come around and he'll whisper in your ear and he'll say these things like that. And you'll think, hey, yeah, this is good and everything. I need to repeat this and everything. Before long, you know what you've got? You've got division. And that enemy has manipulated you. Thank you. You can be seated. Why does he do that? Why does he go through all that trouble? Because of an extreme hatred for God and anybody who belongs to him. I want you to understand this morning, if you get nothing out of this message, I want you to get a hold of this, okay? Have I got your attention? You listening? That adversary hates you with a passion. Now let me ask you something. You like being around people who absolutely hate you? I don't want to be around people like that. I want to be people around... Be around people that love me, that care for me. You know, just like we, we're, we're supposed to be as the body of Christ. But I want you to understand, Satan absolutely hates you and will do anything to rob you of your joy, to rob you of your effectiveness, to rob you of your witness, and to make your life miserable and thereby, thereby render ineffective the work of the body of Christ. You see where I'm coming from? Now, why such a message of warning to go along with what Tim and Suzette sang? Our church is going through a change, okay? It's going through a change. This next month, there'll be a lot of change, all right? When it comes to a new pastor, when it comes to our constitution and bylaws, when it comes to adjusting you know, to somebody who hadn't been here four and a half years, now it's going to be something new and something going through change. But this is where the body pulls together. 
This is where the body unites. This is where the body loves and prays for and supports and cares for one another. Because if you don't, if you don't, then you're going to let Satan win. You're going to let him win. But we've already seen, greater is he that is in you, Betty, than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you, Terry, than he that's in the world. Grasping a hold of that, Chris, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You guys getting a hold of this, Hannah? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Folks like this are on the front line, some things. Because we've seen since that, since Roe v. Wade was overturned and everything, the care pregnancy centers have come under attack. You know, they're misleading. They lie. That's like that. They're trying to save life because life is sacred. Life is precious. Coming under attack. Folks, look. Let's not let him win. Amen? Let's not let him win. And it can't be 95% of you. It can't be 98% of you. It's got to be 100. Because listen to me. All the adversary needs is one. That's all he needs. All he needs is one. Don't let it be you.